Hello, this is Andrea Marcucci from What Do You Believe? I'm honored to share my conversation with Senator Patricia Spearman of Nevada. For those of you who don't know, she has been at the forefront of fighting for equality for minority communities her entire career. Join us as we discuss everything from her time in the military, her fight for human rights, and her experience as the first black, same gender loving senator. Thank you so much for joining me, Senator Spearman. I'm so honored. It's my pleasure, my pleasure. Thank you. So I always start the show with the question, what do you believe? What do I believe? Um, I believe that, I believe that truth crushed to the ground will rise again. And I believe that is what we are seeing right now. Uh, for so long, there has been uh, an air of uh, superiority on the part of those who have been born in privilege and have wanted to make it so. And generation after generation after generation has peeled back the layers of that untruth. And what we are seeing now is the energy of truth coming to the forefront and the fight literally for equality, equity, freedom, and social justice uh, is being born, it's being birthed from that. Uh, I, I, I believe that, that even when it feels like we're in a dark place, uh, when it feels like there's nothing but chaos around us, I believe that we can look at it either as a tomb or a womb. Mm, beautiful. Both are very different. Mm -hmm. I choose to believe we are in a womb, and this is a birthing process. And that birthing process uh, is painful, it's ugly, there's a lot of yelling, there's a lot of screaming, there's, I mean, and so all of this that's going on, I believe, is giving birth to the type of truth that generations that preceded us were looking for. Those generations that, 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 that marched and, and, and fought for the right to vote. Uh, the women who fought for the right to vote, the African-American women who fought for the right to vote and initially were sidelined. When we, when we look at, at the 60s, the, the civil rights movement, the, 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 the right for equality, when we look at someone like Bayard Rustin, who was a part of the civil rights movement, but as a gay man, had to pull, out, pull himself back so that the movement wouldn't be hurt. So what we're seeing right now, I believe, this is womb time. And this is a time when truth justice, social justice, and freedom are being born once again. And this time, this time, it will not be aborted. It will not be aborted. Absolutely. It, it, it feels so, it's different now. Absolutely. Thank exactly. you for that. Thank you. Senator Spearman, you have been a senator with the state of Nevada since 2012, and now you're running for re-election. What was the point that you realized you wanted to enter politics? Was there a pivotal point in your life? Um, well, you know, I, I, I thought about this, and, and I guess I could take it back to college mm -hmm. uh, when I ran for Chief Justice of the Supreme Court uh, at Norfolk State University. Wow. And that was because a lot of people were coming to me and they were like, you know, Pat, you've been involved in this and you, you know, my constitutional law class was like a, was like a cakewalk for me. I mean, I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. 
And so a lot of my friends were saying, you should run for that. You should run for that and uh, built a platform. And initially I thought I would, I would go to law school and be appointed to the Supreme Court. Well, obviously that hasn't happened. Um, but I love the process, if you will. Mm. So in, in Texas, while I was stationed in Texas, I, I was talking a lot about uh, equity in education and what we needed to do and how we needed to look at students uh, through the lens of their socioeconomic status. Not that it would, it would be deficient, but we needed to look at that as a way to see uh, what their learning styles were and not look at it as their inability to learn, but look at it as an opportunity to learn in different ways. So that, that, that's when the bug, I guess you could say, bit me. And here in Nevada, um, in 2012, I was actually thinking about running for school board again when I was approached uh, by a couple of folks who, who said, we need you to run uh, because we need to have a real progressive uh, in the state house. Mm. Um, nobody knew me. Uh, but I knew that I would run hard and I knew that if I said yes, I knew that I would win. Um, and so we ran really, really hard. Um, I was not able to raise any money at all because people were afraid that I wasn't going to win and that if I didn't win, they would then be penalized, uh, by my opponent. Um, and, and that was, it was, it was like off to the races after that because it is in the legislative process. Uh, process that I have the ability to take all the things that I believe and and where there are injustices and where there's inequity I have an opportunity through this process to pass laws that will correct whatever the situation is and and I love it I mean it's 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 like you know I've fought a long long time for a lot of these issues. I remember I remember being in college, and this will probably predate most of your listeners. But I was in college, and and uh, we were marching and doing sit-ins because 18-year-olds were being sent to Vietnam but didn't have the right to vote. Mm. And uh, and I will forget. I think it's 1976. The first time I had the right to vote, I wasn't you know 21 yet. So I and the first time I had the right to vote. But we were arguing about that. Um, when we stop and we, we look at what's going on with, with the Supreme Court uh, last week about um, whether or not you can be fired because of your affectional, and I like to say affectional orientation, because when you say sexual, it's like people say it's just go someplace else, and you really can't have a conversation with them after that. I don't, I don't know what their, their image is in their mind that just makes it right. better, but whatever it is. And so, okay, so, so you know, we can, we, can, we can pass laws and we can do things that will really make a difference. All of the things that I believe and all the things that I've been fighting for in this, in, in this position, I have a right, I have, I, have, I have an opportunity to do that. The very first bill that I passed was a bill to include transgender persons in the uh, protected class of our hate crime statutes. Hmm. Up until that time, they were not. And here's the irony. The irony is that the year, the session before 2013, 2011, that same bill was bought and it failed. And it failed by one vote. And guess who the one vote was? The person I defeated. Wow. And so the very first bill, the very first bill that I carried and passed and the governor signed was one to protect transgender persons. And I'm really, really proud of that. Oh, I'm really that proud is, of that. That is incredible. That is incredible. 
Wow, you are you are such a force. It's 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 amazing the passion that you have for what you do. I mean, where where does that come from? You know, I, the passion is born out of pain. Mm. Um, I am an African American woman who also happens to be a same gender loving woman. I am an ordained minister. I am a veteran. Those first three are three strikes. Mm. African-American woman and same gender love. Those are three strikes. I should be out. My passion comes from the pain that I have endured because of all of those things that people have looked at on the outside and have decided to destroy me. And so each time I fought one injustice and got to another state or another place, then I was able to use the victory to go to something else. As, as, I, as, I, as, I, as I fought in, the, in the, the, the late 60s and 70s when my sister and I integrated a high school, you know, to, to, to get the acceptance of African-Americans to say that we belong here at this school, okay? That, I used that pain and that's what I, I looked at when, when I started looking at the things that need to happen for women. I was one of the first uh, women to be uh, branched to the military police corps after the WAC corps, after the WACs were, were just, uh, disbanded in all of the services. The men did not want us there, but it was that pain and that perseverance, that, 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 that fire in my belly, if you will, that, that said if we, if we were able to do it one time, we can do it again. And so fought to make sure that I not just uh, passed, but that I excelled. When, when, when it came to the point of uh, coming out of the closet and the fight was, we need to do away with don't ask, don't tell. Mm -hmm. And I, I never will forget, I was watching TV and I saw some of the uh, Republicans talking about, well, we don't, want, we don't want gay people in the military because it's not good for, for morale. And I thought to myself, I'm looking and I'm like, okay, now I just finished my career. And <laughs> that's who I am. We have gay people in the military already. There are gay people who are buried in Arlington National Cemetery. They're, they're gay people that are, that are buried in military cemeteries all across the world. And some of them are even buried in a watery grave. And so I, I, I took the pain, I took, took, took the, the, the passion from those other two fights, and now let's see how we can get past this whole thing about if you're gay, step back. And, and fought really hard for that. Uh, and that's the same passion that I brought once again when it was time to uh, restart the ERA. People kept telling me, I don't know why you're doing it. You know, there's, it's only symbolism and, and you're going to you ruin your, your, your brand and, and, and everything like that. And, it, and it'll never happen. It'll never happen. And even if, even if Nevada does it, it'll never happen in the States. And so when people, when people tell me, yeah. uh, that, that something won't happen and, yeah. and it upset my mind to do it, I, love I always tell people, say, listen, that's like telling a pit bull sick them. <laughs> because, I'm gonna do it, and it's that it's that fire in my belly yeah. for for justice. That just it, I, I will be fighting wherever inequality and inequity exists. I will be fighting yeah. against that all the way up until my dying day. Yes, and I might come back after that and fight some. Absolutely, more. <laughs> I, I believe it. I be, that I believe for sure. Wait, so what can we do to heal? I mean, heal black America. How do we heal this country? What can we do to begin to do that? So 
here's what I'll say. I saw a sign um, on one of the social media platforms that said, white silence equals violence. Yes. And that is so true. I believe it. It's so true. We have been talking about this uh, for so long. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people would just dismiss it. Uh, African-American uh, men being killed by police forces. Yeah. And after their murder, because that's what it was, then the police would come out with a report that, that said something about an arrest record and they would try to, you know, denigrate the deceased and et cetera, et cetera. But we've been talking about this for a long time. So we, we've been in the trenches already. What we need you all to do is to stand up and say the things that you know are true and, and, and back us up when we say the things that we know are true. Because people have dismissed us saying, you know, well, they're crazy or they're radical or they're this or they're that. But no, that's not it. It's just that we want the same type of justice that you would give to someone who is Caucasian. My, my, my son has said to me on several occasions, um, and I'll paraphrase here, it's real stressful being a young black man. And I said, real stressful. He said, yeah, because you don't know when you go out the door. He said, I don't know if when I turn the corner, somebody has called the police or they're looking for somebody. And even if I don't look like the person because I'm black, then the police will, you know, take me down. That is very real. Yeah. What can you do? Help us talk about meaningful reform in law enforcement. Help us, help us help people to understand that it really isn't about vengeance. It really is about justice. Help people to understand that as a mother, I have the same right as a white mother in a more affluent neighborhood to, to feel safe when her children go outside, when her children go to school. Okay. Yeah. I have the same right to be able to feel that way, but I don't, mm. I don't because I don't know when some rogue officer is going to see my son and treat him like George Floyd or the gentleman that we're not just now hearing about in Aurora, mm. California. Yeah. I mean, horrible. I don't, I don't know that. And so it's, it's stressful for, African-American men, and it's also stressful for the women in their lives, mothers, sisters, uh, aunties, uh, grandmas, it's, it's real stressful. What you can do is say the things that you know to be true. Um, there was a song when I was in uh, college, I think it said, now that we found love, what are we gonna do with it? Mm. Um, and I say, now that we've found the truth, what will you do with it? What will you do with it? Truth crushed to the ground is rising again. It's rising again. And, and, and remind people, remind people in your ethnicity that the changes that they feared have already come about. That's, 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 that's the crazy part because people are, people who have been hanging on to this uh, hetero 
patriarchal normative that's homophobic and you know and 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 only Christians are good and every other religion is bad. People that have been hanging on to that because it fed a narrative that allowed them to stay in power, mm. have been so afraid that their world was going to change. Yeah. And you know what I say to them? Guess what? It already has. Yeah. And what you're seeing now are the changes that have come about because those who once were silent, we're not silent anymore. And, and, and we have managed to gather people who believe just like we do. And as the song says, we who believe in freedom shall not rest. We will not rest until it comes. And so their world has already changed. We are now seeing the fallout, the vicissitudes of a changed paradigm that they were not ready for, but it came anyway. The changes that you fear are already here. So what, what, what do you think you're going to continue doing in the Senate? What's, what's your plan um, for, for your reelection? So um, I need to get back, and I need to get back in a powerful way. Right now, I am fortunate to be um, a co-whip, a co-majority whip, and I hope to be, a, be reappointed to that position um, in November. One of the things that occurred to me during the uh, COVID-19 crisis is that there are some communities that have been disproportionately affected. Mm. And we do know about the African-American community that has been disproportionately affected. And, and, and listen, this is one of the things that I say, we've known that the system did not work for us for a long, long time. Yeah. We've known it, okay? We've known it. COVID didn't invent it, it just opened up the doors and put some sunshine on it, some sunlight on it. But the other group that has suffered uh, in desperate ways is the LGBTQIA plus community. Yes. And many of the times we don't know who they are because they're not represented in data points. Mm. That makes sense to you? Yes. Uh, and, and not represented in data points because sometimes people have been afraid to say it. You right. know, if you're a job application, sometimes people wouldn't say anything, you yes. know, applying for a loan or whatever, so they wouldn't say it. But one of the bills that uh, I'm working on right now and um, hope to have some meat on it by the middle of July is a bill that will require every state agency mm -hmm. and every uh, medical facility, every, at every place where, where people interact, and we ought to know how many of them there are to collect that data. It's voluntary. You don't have you don't have to put down, you know, your your sex, your ethnicity, you don't have to put put down your gender preference, you don't have to do any of that. But if you do, what it will do is it will help me and help our other my other colleagues to understand if if 37% of the LGBTQIA plus population has been disproportionately affected by COVID-19 and we get $100,000 in this state, mm. then at least 37% or very close to that ought to be going to address those disparities. Mm. So we need the data mm. so that we can fight for the resources to help the communities that have been hurt. That's one thing that I'll, I'll, I'll be working on. The other thing that uh, I will be working on, I'm gonna, gonna come right back at it and, and, and look at ways that we can 
uh, strengthen our equality statutes. Uh, I've asked our legal department to go through and, you know, tell me every place that there is some draconian law on the books that we need to get off. Mm -hmm. Let's 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 get it off. And and I want to make sure. The third thing is make sure that we have meaningful police reform. Yes. Um, there are some people who I've heard who have uh, made light of uh, people saying, well, you know, we need to take some of the money away from law enforcement and put it into mental health. And so I heard someone joking saying, well, okay, yeah, you got somebody that's, you know, you know, uh, fighting somebody else and what are you gonna do? You're gonna call, gonna call a mental health behavioral specialist, a psychiatrist, whatever. Yeah, show up and do what? And I said, that's not funny. It's not funny because that really happens. Mm. And, and people who are in a mental health crisis, listen, police are not trained to handle that. That, you know, that thinking that that is okay is, is admirable for its asininity alone. And beyond that, there's no redeeming value to that, okay? No redeeming value. So, and, and, and that's not even redeeming value. We have to understand just like I am not equipped to go into uh, an operating room and just because I comb my hair and just because I can put makeup on, I'm not equipped to go into an operating room and do and be a neurosurgeon or be an ophthalmologist. I'm not equipped to do that. I, I know what all that stuff looks like, but I'm not equipped to do that. So, so yes, we do need to make sure that we're putting the, the right amount of money into mental health. We need to be putting the right amount of money into cultural competency. I will tell you this, that when I was in the military, there were still a lot of a lot of men who would make who would make statements about um, our physical appearance, women's physical appearance. Mm -hmm. uh, the pants are they're too loose. You ought to tighter. You know, you got to, you know, look at your boobs and, and all things like that. And, and people would laugh about it. They were they would they would make fun of, of people's appearances, women's appearances, those sorts of things. And, and it was okay back then. It's not okay now. Yeah. And so I believe that cultural competency is something that has to be taught. Not only does it have to be taught, it's not just one time in the academy. That training should be ongoing every year, yeah. every year. And, and, and I think it, it included in that is instead of the police being a standalone, we ought to pull them right back into the public safety team. Mm. And, and I say this, and these, listen, these are just stats that I'm, I'm throwing out there to make a point, okay? But if, if four out of 10 times that EMS showed up and got uh, a patient, took a patient into that truck, if by the time they got to the hospital, if they were dead, we would not accept that. Mm. And there was no excuse for it. We would not accept that. There, there, there would have to be something that, that would say, this happened, but but if it happened four out of every ten times, then there's something wrong. Yeah. If if when the fire department comes to um, is called to a fire, and there is a house that is fully engaged, and every time they showed up, three houses on the left and three houses on the right were damaged by water, and the city had to pay for that we wouldn't accept that no. so why do we accept it when almost every time that an african-american male 
for that matter, an African-American is stopped by the police. Yes. Why do we accept that? I, I, was, I was talking about this uh, at an event, and I had a friend of mine who, um, who used to be in law enforcement and is retired and said, Pat, come on, you don't really believe that, do you? I mean, you know, people run when they're guilty. I said, listen, let me tell you something. I'm a retired lieutenant colonel, okay? I spent almost 30 years in the military, and I'm telling you right now that if it's 8 o'clock at night and, and it's dark and nobody else is around, if, if the bubblegum lights go on behind me, I'm going to run too. Well, why would you run? You're not doing anything. I said, because I want to live. I want to live. That's why I would run. And so, so in our community, it's not a matter of the police show up and you feel safe. It's a matter of the police show up and you pray that the person that they are after, they're talking to, will be safe. Sometimes when I'm, when I'm riding around uh, town, if I, see, if I see police who have stopped someone and there's more than one car there, and my, my, my spider sense tells me that this is whatever it is that they stopped this person for, it's probably not serious enough for three cars to be there. Mm. You know what I'll do? What? I pull in front of the car that stopped so that they can see my license plate. And then I circle the block a couple of times. I want them to know that I'm looking. Yeah. I want them to know, and my, my license plate identify me as a state senator. Right. I want them to know someone is looking. Yeah. And so if there's anyone in that cadre of police officers that has some type of, of, of ill will mm. or has some, some uh, desire to, quote, kill a colored person or a black person, I need them to understand that I'm watching. Yeah. I'm watching and whatever happens here, I'm going to watch long enough to be able to testify to the veracity or lack thereof of your statements. I want to do that. And oh, by the way, I also take out my phone yeah. and start my camera. Why am I doing that in 2020? No, oh, I exactly. It, it, it's I mean, really? Founding. I know. Why am I, why, why am I doing that? And, and that's not to say everyone is every police officer. No, every police officer isn't. But right now, we don't know who's who. And, 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 and I, say to, I say to those who are good and who are moral and upright, who are on the force, the people who will act like the ones who choked Eric Gardner to death, mm -hmm. the ones who, who would would put a chokehold on this 23-year-old in Aurora, California, the ones who did whatever they did to Sandra Bland and she comes up dead, the ones who would cover for the person who, who killed Tamir Rice. Do you know that had Tamir Rice not been killed, do you, you realize that 2020 would be his high school graduation? So sad. How about that? He would, be, he would be graduating now, okay? But, but the, the ones who do those sorts of things, I tell them, they do not deserve your loyalty. Yes. They don't. They don't deserve your loyalty. And so to say, well, we're going to, you know, there's this, 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 this blue line of, no, they don't deserve your loyalty. So what, there's a code or something, right? Between cops. Is that what it is that they have to, what, what, what is that? I think, I think, you know, to, to, to a degree here, here's what I know. And, and the code for police officers is probably similar to um, those of us who've been in the military. And that is, 
um, protect your buddy. Mm. But guess what? I'm going to protect my buddy if my buddy's doing right. Yes. I'm not going to protect my buddy if they're doing wrong. Uh, here's an example. When I was in Korea, uh, I was a second lieutenant, and I got a call one Sunday night that there were four or five of my platoon members who were at one of the clubs, and they had started calling people uh, racial epithets. And, I mean, they were just, they just gone berserk. Mm. And another platoon was on patrol at that time, okay? When I got the call and I went down to the station and they had, they, they already had four of the six people arrested or in custody, I'll put it like that. And they were talking about, so ma'am, I don't know what we're gonna do. I said, I know what we're gonna do. I said, we're the people that are writing statements. Once we get these statements, and I need, I need MPI, military police intelligence, I need them to, in investigations, I need them to verify. Once I know, what is true, here's what we're gonna do. And I said to all of them, I said, any of you who are guilty of this filthy, filthy thing of talking about people in ways that we don't discuss. It, 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 was, it was not that far after, it was 1979, hmm. okay? And, and so Vietnam had just ended not too many years before. And so they had this thing about Asians that they would, you know, call them all types of, of, of names. And I said, any of you all who are guilty, I said, I don't, I don't, I don't want you to go to bed tonight wondering what's going to happen. Because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. If you're guilty, I'm going to recommend that you get a field grade Article 15. That means the captain, the company commander is not going to give it to you. I'm going to ask the brigade commander to give it to you. And my recommendation for punishment is going to be take every strike that you have, bust you right back down to a slick sleeve private, because obviously you do not understand what it means to protect and serve as a member of the military police corps. Yeah. And I got my way with three of them. I got my way with three of them. And guess what happened after that? Mm -hmm. We didn't have that problem. We had a problem. All you, gotta do, all you have to do is do it once, let people know there's a zero tolerance. And I promise you, I promise you, one of, one of the police reforms that, that I'm looking at and a couple of my other colleagues are looking at is, you know, the right to, the, the responsibility to intervene. Mm. So if you see someone doing something that is wrong, if you stand there and watch it, you will be charged with the same crime that they are charged with. Mm. And, and that's important because, I, listen, I'm not going to jail for you. Yeah. You do something that's wrong, you know, so, some people may remember Lieutenant Callie, C-A-L-L-E-Y, I think his name was. Lieutenant Callie is the uh, infantry officer that was court-martialed, uh, and his court-martial took place at Fort Hood. When I, I first arrived at Fort Hood, they, they took us all around, you know, the intro, um, the end processing. They took us around so we could see the courthouse and told us the story about Lieutenant Callie. Lieutenant Callie is the one that went into the village of Mili and and killed all of those people, innocent women and children. and and he said he did it because he was ordered to do it, okay? And it was established at that time, I mean, without dispute. If you receive an unlawful order, it is your duty to ignore it and to report the person who gave you that unlawful order. 
And I think the same thing has got to be implemented within police jurisdictions across the country. Mm. If it's unlawful, unlawful, you hear someone saying, I can't breathe. No. They're on the ground, they're handcuffed. They're already in custody. Leave them alone. Yeah. Leave them alone. Pick them up and put them in the back of the car, the squad car. Leave them alone. Do not do anything with their with their neck, with their chest. Leave them alone. Yes. Leave them alone. And last but not least, I don't think they should get the death penalty. I, I, one of the reasons why I'm against the death penalty, not just because it's immoral, and, and I say to people, I have at least I have at least two reasons to say to want to be for the, the death penalty. And that is because both my younger and my older brother were killed. Okay, were murdered. I'm sorry. I don't want the, the people who did that, I don't want them to get the death penalty. Because when people get the death penalty, guess what happens? They go into solitary. They, it's one person in the cell. It may be three people on that wing and they are watched and we are paying that. Someone who is, who is on death row, it costs us three to four times more than it does to have someone in general population. Mm. So I say, no, no death penalty. You're gonna do your time in general population. Mm. That's where you're gonna do it, in general population. We're not gonna pay extra for you. You're gonna do it in general population. And last but not least, I don't think that we, the citizens of any state, any city, any county, any jurisdiction, should have to pay, should have to use tax dollars that could be going for education, that could be going for healthcare, that could be going to help people who are differently able, that, that, that could be going to, to build more housing so that we reduce the homeless population. I don't think we ought to be paying money from those taxes to fight for someone who obviously does not want to be doing the job that they were hired to do. Mm. So we're not going to pay for that anymore. Right. We're not going to do it. Right. We're not right. going to do it. We're right. not going to do it. And if there is, and if and if they are sued in civil court, we are not paying that. No, we are not paying that. Well, who's going to pay it? I don't know, but we're not going to do it. I'm curious because I have a question about the ERA. Uh, you passed the ERA in your state of Nevada, and I'm just curious, like, why is the ERA so hard to pass in other states? Could you kind of break it down for us? Why, why, why is this so difficult? <clears throat> um, I will do it. I will, here's the acronym for it. WMP, white male privilege. Mm. That's it. Yeah. That's it. It's, 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 it's back to what I said. You know, they're, they're really afraid that their world has, their world will change and it already has. Yeah. When we ratified it in um, in Nevada in 2017, I bought it in 2015. Okay, and the committee heard it, and we all were really excited because we really thought that that it would get out of committee and come to the floor, and it would and we get a vote. But the the Democrats weren't in the majority at that time. I'll just say that. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the party that was refused to let it come out of committee. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I remember seeing women who were in their uh, 70s and some of them early 80s, you know, standing against the wall in the hallways crying and saying, I, I just wanted to be in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be in my lifetime. And I said to them, um, after this, I, I said to them, listen, what happened during the last session? 
I'm running for re-election, and I promise you, if you get me back, get me back, this will be among the first bills that we will carry. Yeah. The same arguments that they had in the 70s, uh, the same facetious arguments that they had about, well, it's about, you know, increased abortion, you know, women will not be able to get their husband's social security. Um, uh, uh, it will mean that women have to go into combat. Uh, and in 2017, one person, even a lady came to the witness table and watch this, came to the witness table and she said with a straight face, she said, well, I just think that if this passes, I read somewhere where there are 400 different sexes and 400 different things that you can say you get married to. And I'm afraid that if this passes, that women will be able to marry the Eiffel Tower. And I said, oh, and, 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 wow. and the camera, you know, the IT crew had the camera on my face and I didn't realize that. <laughs> and if you go back and you look at it, it's like, what in the world? <laughs> you don't believe that, really? You know, and then I'm thinking, your children do not know that you're out here saying this kind of stuff in public. They do not know that, okay? Yeah. Um, and so those are the kinds of things that we had to fight through. And, and I'll go back to what I said about symbolism, because once it got out of committee, um, the people who didn't want it to, to pass knew there was no way to stop it because we were now in control. Yeah. Okay. The Democrats now controlled the Senate and the assembly. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we didn't need the governor's signature for the bill to be ratified. We didn't need that. Okay. Although the governor said he, he supported it. So the issue then became, well, it's just about symbolism and the people in Nevada sent us here not to do some kind of clown show about symbolism. They sent us here to get real work done and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and after everybody finished, I came back with, and so if it's symbolic, let me ask you about this. For those of you who are married, I invite you to lift your left hand and look at your third finger. Okay. That is not your spouse sitting on your hand, but anyone who sees that ring, that is a symbol that you are married every day in this chamber after we pray. We turn slightly to the left to that flag over there and pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it is, watch this, a symbol of, it's, it's, not, it's not all 50 states, it's not, no, and territories. It is the flag that represents. So that is a symbol. I'm, I'm a Christian and, and from time to time, I, I will wear a cross. That listen, that is not, and, and, and the head of my faith is Jesus the Christ. He's not sitting around my neck. The cross is a symbol, and symbols point to something larger than we are, but we believe so deeply in them, and they are really a part of our core, our core as human beings. And so, you want to say it's a symbol? Then let it be a symbol because it's a powerful symbol. And the symbol that this will say once we ratify is that in Nevada, equality matters. Equality matters. And everywhere inequality exists, we're gonna stamp it out. So that's the symbol I want y'all, that's my Texas talk now, I want y'all <laughs> to take back to the folks who didn't wanna see this happen because it's about to be, okay? It yeah. will happen. We are obligated because we take an oath of office that says, I, do solemnly swear or affirm 
that I will obey the officers above me and I will protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign or domestic. Okay? It's in there. Yeah. The other people that were sitting on their hands and, and afraid to, that, that's not what you took an oath to do. We take the same oath in the military. We take the same oath as they do in Congress. Yeah. And, and it means something to me. Right. And so, and I'm, I'm trying to remember his name and I would have called it if you, if you hadn't asked for his name, but, 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 but listen, you know, he was, he's a patriot. And, and again, years from now, history will record yeah. his actions in juxtaposition to the cowards in the Senate. And make no mistake about it, many of these people who are, who are stonewalling, mm -hmm. to use that term, mm -hmm. trying to make sure that their world does not change, history will not be kind to them. They won't be around to take the heat, but their grandchildren will, mm -hmm. and their great-grandchildren will. Yeah. They, they will be the ones who will have to look at what the history books are saying about their grandfather, their great-grandfather, their grandmother, their great-grandmother. They will be the ones who will have to look at that. And they will, they will always come back and say, I don't know why they did it. Mm -hmm. Just like you have people now who are the descendants of Bull Connor, mm -hmm. the racist sheriff in Alabama mm -hmm. who turned the dogs and the hoses on women and children. Okay. His descendants are still around somewhere. I mean, you know, there's, there's no parade or anything of that nature, but they're there. Right. Can you imagine how they feel now when they watch those tapes being played and people all over the world talking about how horrific that was and how inhumane that was? So the people, and you know who they are mm -hmm. in the Senate, that they constantly co-sign doesn't matter how illegal or how immoral it is if if the guy who's at, at, at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue if he wants it done they co-sign for him mm. and what I say to them is you may escape but your children and your children's children will not and you are leaving them a legacy that they will be ashamed of they will be ashamed of and if you're doing it for money guess what never in my life saw a U-Haul truck following a hearse. Mm. That means you ain't going to take it with you, Bubba. That's right. <laughs> You're amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you. Thank you. You're a, you're I'm going to ask your listeners if they'll go to um, Spearman, the number four, Nevada.com. Yeah. Spearman for Nevada.com and, and read about me, read about my, my early life, read about some of the things that I've done and every bill that I've ever carried uh, is on there too. And you will, you will see that my portfolio, my legislative portfolio is really about equality. Let, let me, let me, let me, somebody asked me in uh, 2018, said, well, you all got the ERA ratified. I don't know how you're going to top that in 19. I said, we're going to get equal pay passed. Hmm. I don't know if that tops it, mm. but I do know that it goes along with it. And guess what? We did. We did. It is now illegal in Nevada to pay people differently based upon their gender. Amazing. And there are stiff penalties if you do. Spearman for Nevada.com. Senator Spearman, I am so honored. Thank you. You are an incredible Thank woman. You. Thank, Thank you. you.
Thank you. Have me back sometime. Let's finish this conversation. Mm -hmm.